Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. We're in a series that we're starting today called Help I'm. Somebody say, Help I'm. I love that. I'm going to read this with us. This is in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. This is what it says. When Ahab had got home, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. And so Jezebel, this lady right here, sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Next verse says this, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life and he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. There's a lot of things in that verse that we're going to come back to in just a second. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom broom tree and prayed that he might die. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but I think there's a lot of us over the last 14 months or so that have probably said this very next line. And maybe you've been, you've walked in here and you're saying this line at this very moment. But it said this, and this is what Elijah said. He wished that he would die, and he said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life from no longer better than my ancestors who have already died. You go on to the next verse, and he lay down, and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up. Somebody shout, get up. Get up and eat. He looked around, and oh, oh my goodness, the Lord had provided. There by his head was some bread baked on hot stones. Come on, got a little little red lobster biscuits. Come on, somebody just laying there next to him, okay? On some hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The next verse says this. Uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, th- this is what he said. Then the Lord, angel of the Lord, came again and touched him and said, Get up. Somebody shout, Get up. Get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up. That's a big thing right there. So he got up and ate and he drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, which is really the term, the mountain of God. And I just came to talk to us today. And I don't know, this may be feel a little heavy for you. That song may feel a little heavy for you. But I just want to tell you, I want to talk to you today. I believe there's some hope and some healing waiting on the other side of you and I admitting this idea today. It's the title of today's message is, Help, I'm Depressed. Help, I'm Depressed. Let's pray one more time together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. I just pray today that your words would speak to us, God, that it would encourage us, that, God, you would give us hope and there would be healing found in the scripture and the words that only Jesus can provide. And so, Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We honor you. We love you. Today's for you, and it's about you, and it's because of you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And one more time, everybody said a good amen together. Amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. I love it. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for being here today. You picked a great Sunday. Like I said, we're starting a new series called Help. Somebody shout, Help! 
help, I'm depressed, what we're talking about today. How many of y'all, really quick, how many of these things show up on your front porch all the time? Come on, somebody. Go ahead and show her. Somebody needs to say, help, I'm addicted. All right, come on. Come on, somebody, right? Like this thing, I'll just tell you, at our house, at the McLean house, that, that there is a package from Amazon or somewhere just about her day. Come on, somebody, right? I think it's an addiction. I think we all kind of had that little, oh, oh, two-day free shipping? Okay, I'll have that, right? I'll take that. I'll do whatever I got to do. And those things show up all the time at our house, and sometimes it's for the church, and sometimes it's for us personally. But have you ever gotten a chance to where on the outside it looked like the box was all good, all together, I was perfectly taped, perfectly wrapped, but has anybody ever noticed or ever had a package that on the inside, everything that was on the inside of it was completely wrecked, it was broken, it was like all messed up on the inside, anybody ever had that happen to them before? I think we all can see that, I think we all can agree, we've gotten a busted, broken package on the inside, even though the outside might have looked pretty good, right? I think about that, I think about just the Amazon box, I think about something that shows up at yours or my house. And on the outside, it might look good, but on the inside, it's broken. And when I start thinking about that, that's what I think about so much when I think uh, there's so many people right now that on the outside, right, last week was Easter. It's kind of spring break week. We had this whole week to kind of just celebrate even last week what Jesus had done and the fact that 10 people met Jesus last Sunday at Purpose Church. Come on, I love that. Right, I love that. I love celebrating the fact that people did that. I'll just tell you, a lot of us, we came dressed up. Your boy wore a sports coat last week, all right? I never wear a sports coat. I bought it at Dillard's. Come on, somebody, right? But, but again, I want us to know that we can clean it up on the outside a whole lot. But sometimes on the inside, it's absolutely wrecking our life. So what happens is, is man, we can have it all together. We can look like we know what's going on. We can look like we, we have the right answers. But just like that Amazon box that sometimes would deliver something broken on the inside, it seems like it's broken and busted. I don't know about you, but this is something that the church has been really quiet about for a long time. Right? The church has been really quiet about this thing called mental illness, anxiety, depression. And so I just think today, if y'all good with it, we're going to roll with it because I think the Bible's got a whole lot to say about this topic of help, I'm depressed. Everybody good with that if we go with that today? And this is what I want to start out just telling you and just want you to understand something really quick is that if you struggle with mental illness, an anxiety, a depression, I think a lot of us, and we'll talk about it today, a lot of us have some form of that that we've experienced even over the last year of quarantining and separate, self-isolating and, and, and being away from people and all that stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit today. But what happens is so many times is that we don't talk about it. We don't actually express it. We don't actually, it, it goes unseen to a lot of people. And what happens is that's when it can get really, really dangerous is when we don't talk about it, we don't open up about it, and we don't act like anything is wrong. But on the inside, it's completely shattered. And I just want to just throw this out there to you. It's, today's not going to be, I'm not going to come at this like hard at you because I believe that there is hope and healing in Jesus' name in this area of your life. And I believe even in my own life, I'll just tell you, I'll be real upfront and honest. And maybe you're watching online. I just encourage you, if you know somebody that has struggled with depression or anxiety, would you share this? Would you encourage them, hey, check this out because I believe there's going to be some hope. That's going to happen through this message today. Not because of my words, but because I'll just tell you, and I'll be really honest. Can I be honest with you today? This means yes in Kentucky. Come on, everybody. You can nod your head if you ain't going to say nothing together, all right? I, I, I've struggled with this over the last year. 
I'll just be real, real with you. I, I've struggled with anxiety and a little bit of depression over the last 12 months alongside of you. So I'm not speaking to you coming from a, a place where I never understood this. I, I've been right here with you. And this is what I think we need to understand is that Jesus himself understands. That, that Jesus himself like literally can relate. I think about it. We, st- we celebrated Easter this last Sunday. Uh, and before Easter happened, before the, the death and resurrection of Jesus happened, Jesus is found praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? So he goes to this garden and starts praying. Well, the, the, the word Gethsemane, literally, if you just take that word for what it is, it literally means oil press. It means oil press or the place of pressing. I think that's pretty cool that Gethsemane means that. So Jesus is there. And what Jesus is doing right before he's about to go to the cross is he is carrying the weight of the world, right? He's carrying the sin of the world. He is carrying just the knowing that he is about to die for the sins of mankind is what's happening. And this is what scripture tells us in Mark chapter 14, verse 32. It says this, they went to a place called Gethsemane, right? Which is the place of pressing, which is the place, uh, uh, oil press. And Jesus said to his disciples, hey, sit here. While I pray, and he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And he says this, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is Jesus speaking about such an unrelenting pressure that he's under. Just this, this pressure cooker that Jesus is under. If you Actually, if you look in Luke chapter 22, and Luke actually wrote the book of Luke. He's a medical doctor. And if you look that up, actually, uh, there is something where he says that Jesus even sweat great drops of blood. Right? You've heard that before. We've all heard Jesus sweat great drops of blood. Well, that's actually, some of us are like, is that, could that really even happen? Like, could that even really be real? It's actually a real diagnosis. It's only happened a few times in life when, when people were under extreme amounts of pressure, when they were under extreme amounts of stress. It's called hematidrosis. So you probably want, okay, why? So, so like, why, Jesus? Why, why would Jesus, why would you put yourself through all of that to the point of death, right? Even death itself. Why would you do that? You know why he would do that? For you and for me. He did that for us. That should make some of us shout in here. You know why he did that? He did that for you and for me. I'll try it again. One more time. He did it for you and for me. Right? He did it for us. He was willing to say, you know what? Hebrews 4 tells us the high priest of ours, this Jesus that we serve, understands our weaknesses, understands everything about it, for for he faced the same testings that we do yet he did not sin you know why it'd be totally different if we served a God that we could be like God you don't understand like you don't even know what I'm going through you don't even know what it feels like to be here you don't even know what it's like to walk around here on earth but we don't serve a God that just stayed far off but he sent his son Jesus to put on an earth suit and take on form of a human and be in our place and he suffered just like us in this life and I just think one of the things that we rarely talk about in church is this word depression. As you look at that word, what I think is so incredible about what Jesus even went through, the pressing that he went through, look at the word depression. What's the word that's right in the middle of it, right? It's the word press. Somebody say press. Somebody say press. 
So pressed is right in the middle of depression. And so what I think is so crazy is that literally that's what it feels like. When you are anxious, when you are out of control, when you feel like you're under a little bit of depression that's going on in your life, there is unrelenting pressure that's going on on the inside of you. And some of you right now, you're feeling that in your chest. Right? Some of you are feeling that through headaches. Some of you are feeling that uh, literally in your life where, where you can't sleep very well or you're, you're not able to eat. Your stomach is turning. And I would just tell you that Jesus went to the place of pressing, to Gethsemane, to the garden, to the oil press, physically, emotionally, spiritually for you and for me. I just want to start out by saying that, right? Jesus can relate. Jesus can understand. Jesus knows what you're going through. And again, I think for so long, this generation right here, if you look around, our generation right now that we're in, currently, I just believe, is, is one of the crazy, like, like literally, we struggle with anxiety and depression more than any other uh, generation that has ever existed before. I think there's a lot of different things that play into that effect, but, but I'll just tell you, whether you've struggled with it, or, or you know somebody that has struggled with it. Anxiety and depression affects all of us. And, and I'll just tell you really quick, excuse me. I'm not a doctor. Some of y'all are like, duh, I know you ain't no doctor, right? We know you couldn't go to no school like that. I get it, all right? I, I like to just, just joke about that. I'm not a doctor, okay? I'm a pastor, and I believe that the Word of God has a whole lot to say about this specific topic. That literally, hope and healing can be found in Jesus' name. I believe that with all of my heart. And I just want to just kind of start out by just talking through what is depression? What is it? What, what is depression? Well, the, the clinical definition for depression is a mood disorder that's characterized by this word anhedonia, okay? And that word is just a big word to say, hey, you cannot enjoy anything. That, that you can't enjoy the, the, the ability to be able to feel pleasure. And there's a couple things that come along with depression or anxiety that maybe you've experienced some of the symptoms before. We're going to throw them up here on the screen. Extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, feeling of guilt. And the last two I think are the, probably the most prevalent when it comes to these things. Helplessness and hopelessness. You feel like nothing's going to change. It's all bad. There's no way I'm going to get out of this. And I read that list that up, that's up there on the screen. And you know what I start thinking? I think we've all been there, right? At one time or another, at least one of those things we can all say, you know what, yeah, I've struggled with that before. I've struggled with that specific thing before. And so I think um, uh, as we're talking through this as a church, we have to understand that there is a stigma around this thing called mental illness, depression, anxiety. But I just believe that you need to realize that your sickness, that like, like, it's not a sin to be sick, okay? I want somebody to know that. It's not a sin to be sick. Your illness is not your identity. And some of you need to know that sometimes, it's the tagline of our series, it's okay to not be okay, all right? Write that down. I think you need to take that to the bank, right? It is okay to not be okay. And if you're thinking about making this your church home, let me just share something with you real quick. We all got to screw loose. Come on, somebody, right? We all got things we're working through. We all got things that we're struggling with that we're trying to be better at. And, we're, and I just tell you, Allie and I, when we were thinking a few years ago about planting Purpose Church, like we dreamed of a church that literally, that
that we can be real with the things that we struggle with. That we don't have to come and pretend like we have it all together, but that we can be real with our struggle. And if we submit our life to Jesus and ask Jesus, would you change us? Would you mold us? Would you help us? And, and literally that there would be a place that literally people would find their purpose in Jesus. That this would be a place for that. That it would be a place where it's okay to not be okay. But this is the thing I want to, st- I don't think we should stop there. I think it's got to keep going. This should be a place where it's okay to not be okay, but let me just kind of finish that tagline really quick. It's not okay to stay that way, okay? Like, like I, I believe it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Because I believe that God has something more for you. God has something more for me. God has something in front of you and I than just staying where we are. And I just believe that with all of my heart. And what I think you should know is that some of God's finest people in the Bible actually struggled with this whole idea and they were just tired of it all, right? I think about Lamentations. Lamentations is written by this guy named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is literally spending a whole book in the Bible lamenting to God. Like, what in the world am I here for? You're like, like, Lord, what am I doing here? Why am I here? What is the point of life, right? Like, like he's asking those things in the Bible. I think about this other guy named, uh, well, here, I'm just going to read you Lamentations real quick. Chapter 3, this is him talking to God. He says this, peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out. My splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is come, it's lost. It's gone, right? It ain't, it ain't around. Right? The, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. And I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my losses. That dude's in a bad shape, isn't he? He's in a bad spot. I think that psychologists would call that ruminating, where you are just stirring in your own thoughts, right? It's kind of like a cow chewing cud, right? With our own thoughts, we have this idea that we think is not true, but, but the devil feeds us a lie, not from God's word, but from what he wants us to believe. And what we begin to do is like a cow chewing cud, we ruminate on that thought over and over again. Guess what? We finally swallow it, and then what happens? We throw it back up, and we go back over it again, right? This is something that we all do. We ruminate. That's what was happening. Jeremiah was doing in Lamentations chapter 3. I think about Paul, right? Paul, one of the greatest Christians to ever live. He said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. I think a lot of us, including people even in the Bible, some of God's people that he used to do unbelievably incredible things have struggled with this idea of, hey, what am I doing here? Help, I'm depressed. Help, I need some help. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. We see that in Elijah, right, which is the, the scripture that we read off the top, okay? Elijah in 1 Kings, just so you know, if you go back and read it, what we see from his life is literally he is a man of God. Like, he is a prophet. He is chosen by God to go and do some incredible things. Like, he literally just went out and just, like, d- just destroyed, like, right before this is taking place, destroyed a, a, a false god in Baal. And all of his prophets and all these people that were worshiping this, I mean, it was an incredible, you need to go back and read that right before what we just read in 1 Kings 19. Go back and read the stories of Elijah and the man of God that he was, the boldness that he had 
following after God. And then we see in 1 Kings 19, like he is saying, you know what, God? I want it gone. I want to be dead. Take my life. I don't want to be here anymore. And I just think there's a few things that we can learn from Elijah of how we can get really depressed really quickly. So if you want to get depressed, I don't think anybody's like signing up for that. But maybe this will be something that you can re- uh, like just realize even in your own life that we're struggling with. Four easy ways to get depressed. Number one, we can learn from Elijah. Number one is this. You got the wrong pace. You got the wrong pace. Wrong pace. We look at Elijah, and Elijah literally we see in 1 Kings chapter one, or 19, verse 3, Elijah was afraid, so he fled for his life. After that lady said, I'm coming for your head, right? Fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, ran as far as he could, ran another day after that, after he left somebody alone. And I just want you to know, as you study the life of Elijah over those past few years, man, Elijah was doing incredible things, massive spiritual battle after spiritual battle and he was trusting God and he was praying he was trusting God and he was praying and he was doing a spiritual battle and it was a a battle and a battle and some faith and a battle and a battle and a battle and he was running at an unbelievable pace and then we see right there he actually runs as far as he can physically away from this person right away from from this lady that's trying to kill him Jezebel right running he's running his whole life and I think He's exhausted, and he's tired, and he's running at the wrong pace. And you know what that got me thinking about? That got me thinking about you and me, right? That got me thinking about my pace in life and your pace in life. And this is what I I heard a doctor say one time. His name is Dr. Stephen Illardi, and he's a Ph.D. He actually said this last year during the pandemic. He said that we were never designed for sedentary, indoor, sleep-deprived, socially isolated, fast food-laden, frenetic pace of modern life. That's coming from a doctor, right? That's coming from a, a physician saying, you know what? The pace is wrong. We got the wrong pace going on. And all of us have the ability, like we have busy schedules. Come on, wave at me if you're in this room and you got a busy schedule. Come on, wave at me. You're in college, you're busy. You, got, you, got, you just got married, you're busy. You got kids, you're busy. You got jobs. All of us are busy, but there are times when it can get completely out of control, right? I think that's something. We're running at the wrong pace. I think there's many things in our life that attribute to this, right? One of those is comparison culture. I'm looking at social media. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, i got to run harder because I'm seeing what they're doing. i, I got to go faster. i got to get where I need to go quicker. i got to work more because I'm seeing what other people have, and I'm not there yet. And so comparison culture is, is literally feeding into this wrong pace that we have in life. Another thing is, is the lack of identity, right? This generation right now, we have a lack of identity. People don't know who they are mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, and that's why we always encourage you, hey, if you want to discover who you are, you want to discover your purpose, go through next. Be a part of a crew. Get some people around you that can encourage you and say, no, 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 that's not who you are. You, you were called to this, right? So we have a lack of identity. Another thing that's out there is that we have an inability to process pain. So what happens is, is that we're running at this crazy frantic pace and pain happens in our life. And what happens is, is this generation itself doesn't deal with pain, doesn't deal with it. Instead, we want to say, you know what, let's medicate it. 
Let, let's smoke it away. Let's drink it away. Let's Netflix it away. Let's eat it away. Let's do whatever we can. And we have an inability to actually process through pain. Number four, I think another thing that just kind of goes into this, uh, this, this wrong pace, feeds into that, is this narcissistic culture that we live in. Right, it's all about me. It's all for me. I got to do what I got to do for me. I got to take care of myself. And what happens is we turn inward. We begin focusing on ourselves. And again, I think that all attributes to, to a pace that is out of control. Right? A lot of us can agree with that. And, I, and what happens is when a pace gets too out of control is that there are more people in this generation right here that are considering suicide than any other generation before. Did you know that there's a million people a day that are committing suicide? I'm sorry, a million people each year that take their own life. A million people. That's 40,000 a year in America that take their own life. Suicide is the number one killer in ages 15 to 24. And this is what I think we all need to realize, and, and I'm not making light of what you're struggling with. Again, I've been there. I've felt some of those same feelings, but realize that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It may not seem like it's going anywhere. It may not seem like it's ever going to get better, but it's a temporary. You may think, oh, my family would be so much better off without me, but listen to me. Listen to my heart as your pastor. It is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Your depression, your anxiety does not have to be a life sentence, all right? It does not have to be. And this, I'm, I'm going to throw this number up here on the screen because I think about Pastor Rick Warren. And his son killed himself a, a few years ago. And he's very adamant about literally putting the, the, the life prevention, the suicide prevention lifeline out there for people to call. If you ever need any help at any time and you can't get anybody at the church, guess what? I would encourage you, call that number right there. There have been songs even wrote about it, but I would just challenge you, listen, one is too many, y'all. Not, not just a one is too many. And it's happening on our watch. And I just think, man, a lot of that, a lot of, of, of things that happen in our life are coming from a wrong pace. They're coming from a wrong pace. The next thing I think we got to understand that Elijah was dealing with was wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. What he started to do was he started to do what I told you earlier. He was ruminating. He's like, oh, oh, I'm no better than my ancestors, right? I'm no better than anybody else. And he's lying to himself. And he's got the wrong thinking. And all these things that were happening in the life of Elijah, right? They're happening. The pressure's mounting. Life is going, coming in on top of him. He wants to take his own life. And he starts to worry. And I heard somebody use this one time. That referenced worry to the fact that you, it's like the idea of carrying an umbrella around or multiple umbrellas around in the dead of summer waiting for it to rain on you. All right? And so I, I, I hope that's in here now. Yeah. So I, I have this little, little umbrella. And I think for some of us, a lot of times, <clears throat> excuse me, what happens is that you and I are doing that very thing with our life. We got wrong thinking, and guess what we start doing? We start worrying about all kinds of stuff, right? And we're walking around in the middle of the summer, not looking like Mary Poppins. Come on, somebody. But we are worried about everything that might happen. We're worried about our finances. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'm not talking about being prepared. I love being prepared. 
I think being prepared is so important. I think that's really, really important. But I'm talking about being worried. Like you are sick. Your stomach is turning. You are literally, your whole life is flipped upside down by one text message or, or one uh, thing to your account or whatever happens. And what we do is we're walking around life with our, maybe it's our friends. And our friends, oh, oh, do they like what I'm doing enough? Do they like, oh, my goodness, I just broke that on my head. Come on. Try that one more time. Okay, here we are again. We worried about our friends. Do they like my post? Right? Did it, I mean, is that a good enough picture? Is that okay? Did, did I say something wrong in the caption? Was my caption not good enough? And we're worried. We're waiting for it to rain. Maybe, maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your family. You're worried about your family. You're worried about literally where they're going or what they're doing. And, and, and literally, you can live your whole life being worried, waiting for the rain to come when it's in the dead of summer. When it's in the dead, no, no cloud in the sky. And you and I can be worried. And this is what I know worrying is like carrying that umbrella around. Worrying is literally, what I think is so important about worrying that you need to understand is that we need to exchange worry, that's wrong thinking, for actually, you know what we need to exchange it for? For faith in God. Right? And I know that's easy. And it's easy for me to say with a microphone in my hand. I'll tell you guys really quick. It's hard to actually do. Right, we, 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 but, but if you look at the life of Elijah, he had wrong thinking. He was worried. He was ruminating in his thoughts. And, and again, I would just challenge all of us that worrying is expecting the worst thing to happen. And that's what a lot of us do. We carry around an umbrella, not a cloud in the sky, but we're worried. We're worried about our family. We're worried about our friends. We're worried about our future. Did I make the right decision? Did I pick the right thing to study? Did I do this? Did I do that right? What happens is it's paralyzing us from achieving the very thing that God has called us to do. And so I'm encouraging all of us, hey, let's substitute worrying for faith. Faith is expecting the best to happen. And guess what? Even if it doesn't, that's still going to be all right. All right? That's really what faith is. You know, like God wins no matter what happens here on earth. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, faith is saying, you know what? Take my body from here. I'm going to be present with the Lord, right? That's kind of what faith is. Hey, we got to exchange our thinking for worship. Exchange worry for worship. Exchange worry for prayer. Exchange worry for trusting God and taking him at his word because he's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. This is what the Bible says, and I think we need to do it. Guess what? We need to take cap. Come on. If we're going to clap, let's give Jesus a big ovation. This is what I want to tell you. I think we got to do what Paul's telling us. Hey, we take captive every thought. Somebody shout every thought. Every thought. And we make it obedient to Christ. This is my heart for you. Don't have an open door like policy with your thoughts. Like don't have an open door policy when it comes to the things that you allow into your mind that settle into your heart. We have to choose what we want to think on. And I, and I just think about, again, Paul writing, he says this in Philippians. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true. Let's think about what's true, what's honorable, what's right, what's lovely, what's pure, what's admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me and everything you heard from me and saw me do. And watch this. If we think on things, if we do the right thing, if we're, if we're saying, you know what, I'm going to fix my thoughts on the things that are godly, I'm going to fix my thoughts on the things that are honorable, on those things, then, watch, it, watch what it says. It says then. Somebody shout then. Then, then the peace of God will be with you. Then the peace will be over your mind. I love the fact 
that it doesn't tell us right there that God will give you peace. It just says the God of peace. You know what that's telling me? That he is peace himself. And that he is coming to you in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your depression, in the midst of whatever you're struggling with. That he's for you and he wants to be in your life. Come on, can we give Jesus a big ovation of praise all over this place? Wrong, th- wrong, wrong pace, wrong thinking. Number three, wrong environment. He's in the wrong environment. And I want you to write down isolation. Because that's what he did. If you look back at the story, he said he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. And he left his servant there. And then he went on alone. Somebody say alone. Into the wilderness. Went on alone into the wilderness. Shutting people out. Isolating is a huge factor when it comes to anxiety and depression. And I'll just tell you guys, obviously, this last year, 2020, we all had to do that. We all had to be crowded in our house. And and that'll, that'll drive you crazy anyway with your kids and family all around. I get it. But I'll just tell you, man, isolation is the wrong environment if you and I are warning. And I'm not talking about about having like the craziest personality. Because if everybody acted like me, we would be in trouble, all right? That'd be a bad deal. I'm not talking about being crazy. Because what I know, though, is in a room like this, you can be in a church gathering and you can still feel lonely. You can can have 5,000 friends on Facebook and you can still feel lonely. Still be isolated. Listen, loneliness is not based on your proximity to people. You're sitting really close to somebody right now. It's based on your depth and relationship with God and with other people. That's what it's about, right? He had a wrong environment that he was in. And that's why we always say, man, you need a crew around you. You need to get in a crew. Come on, where are the people that are in the crew? Do you love your crew? Yeah. You got to get with some people around you that are saying, you know what, let's keep going. Sometimes I'm the worst person to listen to in my life. Sometimes I need somebody else speaking into it. And if I'm alone, if I'm isolated with my own thoughts, then we're in trouble. Right? Then we're in trouble. I think that's what crews and church, I just believe, are not a luxury, but a necessity. Come on, somebody, right? That's why you're here. That's why we're gathering. That's why we're singing. That's why we're listening to Jesus. And doing what he says. Number four thing that we can learn from Elijah is the idea that he had the wrong motivators. He had the wrong motivators. And Kyle, if you don't mind coming up here, it's going to make me preach shorter. That'd be awesome, all right? He had the wrong motivators. This is what I know. Feelings were his motivators. Right? What did it say at the very beginning? I was afraid, and so I fled. Right? We have to think even back to the garden. Right? Feelings were the motivator. Even for some of them, they fled. They they were afraid. I, I, I knew that I was naked. I knew that I was ashamed. I knew I was this, and I fled from you. But what I love about God, and what we'll talk about in just a second, is the fact that that he may have forgotten God, but God hadn't forgotten him. He may have took his eyes off of God, but that God had never taken his eyes off of him. And this is what I know. Emotions and feelings are like waves. They're going to come in, and they're going to go out. You're going to have feelings that come in, and feelings that go out. And if you're building your marriage on feelings, those waves coming in and waves going out, you're not building it on the right thing. If I'm building my life on just my feelings and how I feel, the waves are coming in, the waves are going out, and I'm not building it on the solid foundation of what the Word of God tells us. The Bible tells us that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And even Jesus, right? We think about Jesus when he was tempted. And I know I'm all over the place today, but I wanted to give you some scripture of what was going on with this idea and this topic on depression. And I think it's so crazy just to look back at the life of Jesus and the devil was coming at him when he was trying to tempt him in the desert. 
And in his feelings, Jesus was weak. He was hungry. Right? He'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was, he was, he was hungry. He was weak. He was tired. Probably the sunburnt, blistered lips. All, I mean, his feelings. He wasn't feeling it. Right? And, and the fact is that the devil comes to him and says, you know what? Why don't you do this kind of thing? Why don't you do this? But what did Jesus do? He said, no, no, no. I'm not going to come back with you at my feelings. I'm going to come back with you. It is written. Right? It is written. And so what happens is sometimes Satan will show up to you in your life, in the depressive state that you're in, or the anxious state that you're in, and he'll come to you and he'll lie to you. He'll probably put a little half-baked truth in it sometimes like he did to Jesus. But he'll say to you and I, he'll say something like this, God doesn't even love you. God doesn't even love you. And you, if you know God's word, if you built your life on the word of God, you can say, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the case. You know why? I know why I'm loved by God. You know why? Because the word of God says that God so loved me that he sent his one and only son, that if anybody believes in him, they will not perish, but have everlasting life, right? But the devil will come at you and say, oh, oh, you don't have no purpose. There's no purpose for your life. Go ahead and take your life. Go ahead and end your life. And you get to say, no, 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 no. I recognize that. That's also false because Ephesians 2.10 says that I am God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared for me long ago to do, right? That's a lie that you're trying to tell me, Satan, that my life doesn't matter, that it's not the purpose. I'm going to refute it with the word of God. The devil may come up to you and say, oh, listen, there's shame on your life. You don't deserve the things that God, the promises of God. And like Pastor Craig Rochelle said last week, and I loved the idea that the devil says shame on you, but Jesus in the cross and the resurrection says shame off of you. I'm going to say it again because you didn't amen like I thought you would. Maybe I need a little bit more muscles like Craig Rochelle or whatever. But I'll just tell you, the the, the devil will yell at you and, and say, you know what, shame on you. But Jesus and the cross and the resurrection says shame off of you. That's better because this is what 1 John 1, 9 says. It says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and, and to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And shame isn't on you, but because of Jesus, it's now off of you. But you got to know the Word of God if we're going to refute that. Okay, that was four things, four easy steps to get depressed. Let me tell you this really quickly. Four quickly prescriptions that God gives us for depression. Number one, get physically healthy. Get physically healthy. What do you tell Elijah? What did the angel tell Elijah? Hey, get up and eat. Right, get up and eat and rest. Get up and eat and rest. I don't know what that looks like for you. Getting healthy may be a Christian counselor you go speak to. It may be starting to eat a little better. Maybe starting to get outside, get you a little sunlight, a little vitamin D. Come on, somebody, right? Take a walk. Whatever you got to do, I'm just telling you. Go to bed earlier. Get physically healthy. Listen to me really quick. Listen to me. Sometimes, this is what Pastor Craig Rochelle says as well. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is rest. I don't know about you, but that pace keeps going, and I never stopped. Sabbath, right? Sabbath, truly rest. Truly rest. And you know what rest is and Sabbath is? It's believing that God is in control. Because that's what I know so many times when I don't Sabbath, whenever I'm like, yo, I got to keep going. The church needs me. The church needs to do this. My family needs me to do this. Like, like I've got to work, 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 work. What happens is, is I'm not trusting that God is in control. He's going to handle all of that. But he's asking me to sit in his presence. He's asking me to read his word. He's asking me to worship. He's asking me to stop. 
I just tell you, get physically healthy. Number two, pour out your heart to God. Which I know and I love about God is that Elijah just threw a bunch of stuff up at God. A bunch of uh, just things like, God, I, I don't even want to do this anymore. I'm done with it. I'm tired of it. And notice that God, when he sends this angel to represent himself, right? I want you to notice that God didn't send uh, uh, an angel to rebuke him, to, to give him a sermon, to put shame on him. The angel didn't say, oh, well, pfft. Yeah, if you only had a little more faith, if only you'd have done this, if only you'd have done that, if you quit acting like a baby. No, 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 there is no rebuke, nothing negative. God met him right where he was. And I just think it's so incredible, even the, the David, the psalmist David would say this, that from the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Listen, pour out your heart to God. We need to go to the source in order to make life better to go to the source in order to get through whatever we're going through. Don't keep this inside of you. Prayer is a way of reminding yourself that God, you are in control. Philippians 4 says don't worry about anything. Instead pray about what? Everything. Right? Everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace. Come on. How many of us need peace? In the midst of an anxious world, in the midst of a depressed world God is giving us the formula one of those things is to pour out our heart to God. Number three, experience the power and the presence of God. If you go on to read the story of Elijah, God tells Elijah, go to the edge of the mountain, and all these things start happening. The wind comes by, fire, and all of these things start happening. They're really loud, really flamboyant, really big, but God wasn't in any of those. And then finally, the Bible says that in a small, it's in verse number 12, after the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a gentle whisper. And the Bible says that that's when he heard from God. Sometimes when we are at our lowest, God seems to speak the softest. And you and I got to stop. We've got to pray. And we've got to say, God, I'm listening. Would you speak to me? Speak to the holes that are in my heart. Just speak to the dark places I've hidden from you. And listen for that still small voice of God to speak to us. We got to experience the power and the presence of God. And the last thing I want to tell you about the recipe, if you're going to get through depression, if you're going to get through anxiety, is let God give you a bigger purpose. I should have put that in there. A bigger purpose for your life. I love what he says in 1 Kings. You keep reading in, the, in 19. It says, the Lord said to him, go back the way that you came. Right? Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel. Right? Just right down the road. Hazel, king of Aaron. Nobody got that. Okay, cool. Also anoint these, these guys right here. Anoint Elisha, son of... That's not Snapchat. It looks like Snapchat. It's not. It's, it's, it's Shaphat, okay, uh, from this place to succeed you as prophet. You know what he was doing? God was giving Elijah a bigger purpose than what he was living for even right then. And I just think so many times we get so focused on ourselves, but God wants to say, you know what? I'm not focused on myself as much as I'm focused on God and I'm focused on other people. And listen, I just believe with all of my heart, if you are still here, that God has something for you to do. That you may feel like you're blue, and you may feel like you're depressed, you may feel like you're hopeless, you may feel afraid, you may be unsure, you may have lost your confidence, you don't see it, and God is saying, to you today if you are still alive I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for you 
You may be pressed on all sides, but guess what? You do not have to live depressed, right? We can lift a voice like the Apostle Paul did, said this, we are pressed on every side, right? We are, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Watch what he goes on to say. He says, for our present troubles are small and will not last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So guess what? We'll focus on our troubles right here, right now that we can see. Brother, you know what we do, church? We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things that we now see will be gone, but the things that we will do not see will last forever. And this is what I came to tell somebody today, is that you may be at the end of your rope, but come on, I'm about to get Dr. Seuss on you. You are not at the end of the hope that Jesus has for you in your life, because God is a promise maker, and God is a promise keeper, and God promised that he would never leave you, he would never forsake you, and I know that there's sin in the world, I know that there's suffering in the world, but we have a God that is on our side, that has never forgotten us, and will never leave us, nor forsake us. Come on, can we give him a big shout of praise all over this place? I'll just tell you, maybe for some of you though, you feel trapped, and it's because you don't have a relationship with that God that we just talked about. That's not going to fix everything. It's not just going to make your bank account be good. not going to make your life just be hunky-dory, just all puking, you know, rainbows and sunshine and all that stuff. Not going to happen. But let me tell you something. In the midst of darkness, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you guide me. And if you don't have a shepherd guiding you, it can feel pretty empty. It can feel pretty lost. It can feel pretty dark. But there is hope. There is healing in Jesus' name. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, maybe you're in this room and you say, you know what, I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with God, but I want to. I want to know Him. If that's the, the cry of your heart today, I would just encourage you to say something like this. Just say, dear Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to save me. Forgive me of my sins. I've messed up. But I trust that you died on the cross that you gave your life for me so that I could live for you. Save me. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life and help me live this day with a bigger purpose than I ever thought possible for my life. Maybe that's you and you're watching online. Maybe you're in this room and you say, you know what, I just prayed that. I just meant that. I just asked Jesus to come into my life. I just asked Jesus to save me. Well, here's what we want to do. We want to be a church that honors that decision, knows that decision. So what we're going to ask you, if you just pray to receive Jesus, would you do something for me if you're in this room? Would you take a step and would you just say, you know what, I just said yes to Jesus. And would you, we have some, some friends that are along the wall over here on my right, your left, that would love to talk with you, love to celebrate with you. If you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus, would you stand to your feet and just make your way over to the walls? Because there's some other people that are going to be moving right now, and you're not going to be the only ones moving, all right? So if you're moving, if you're moving, go, go. God, to save you, did you just say yes to Jesus? Would you make your way to one of these walls? Celebrate. If you're watching online, we just ask you to text the word purpose to the number 270-229-6488 if you just said yes to Jesus. And it would be our highest honor to be able to follow up with you this week. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, come on, church. Why don't you lift your head right now? 
And why don't you, as you stand to your feet, can we put our hands together and thank God for salvation all over this room. Thank God. Come on. I think there's some anxious, depressed, broken, busted people who don't got it all together. Is there anybody that's thankful for a God that said it's okay to not be okay, but I'm not going to leave you that way. I love that. I love that. Well, here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray, and then we're going to worship together in just a second. God, we honor you. We love you, King Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for how you've loved us. Thank you for how you've served in our spot and in our place, King Jesus. We love you. We honor you, and it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, I said everybody said, amen. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.